This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. As we were worshiping, I started, I started seeing things about life that I know but reminded of, and I'm glad that I know, just to refresh you, there's, there's different seasons of our life, now listen to this, different seasons of our life and different seasons of every year of our life. In the seasons of our life, we all start off as babies. Then we begin to grow up, and we get to the age of young adulthood, and most of us end up getting married, and we reproduce, and we have babies. And then we raise those babies. Then there comes a point in time where we're called middle-aged empty nesters, and then we're getting to enjoy grandbabies and stuff. And then you get a little bit older, and you get to the winter years of your life where you're starting to wrap it up, and you're kind of coasting along. If you're born again Christian, you're not sad. You just think, I'm getting much more closer to being with Jesus. But in those years, you're not depressed. You're happy. If you've been a Christian living for him, you look back on your life. You see what you've left behind you. You see your family. You see your kids growing up now, gray-haired and bald-headed and all the different things they are. And then you see your grandkids start to come up. And you just realize this whole process is starting over again in my family. I'm up here now where I'm in the winter time, and these here just start to reproduce again. They're in the springtime, and et cetera, et cetera. You see how those things work? But then I was, as that, that all started because I was worshiping God. I was thinking about the year in our life personally. We've had a good year, but it's been a busy year. And I'm thinking, I hear uh, Mrs. Pastor do the announcements. We're getting ready to have the Thanksgiving pitch in. I think, praise God for this season of the year. I'm thinking, man, I'm so glad this summertime's over with. I'm so glad this year's over with, and I realize just in about a week or two, we're going to get to hit that time of the season of this year to where we coast. And, you know, you think about the year for farmers. You know, I, I think a lot about farmers out for the Midwest, and that's all we ever saw was the farmers. And I know that in the, in the farmers, they can't wait for springtime because it's springtime. They get to plow and get to plant. And they get to plow and get to plant, and that means they get to eat at the end of the year because they sell their harvest. But in the meantime, all the hard work is in the springtime. Get the year going. And then summertime comes. They pretty much just maintain. They watch the crops grow. They do some spraying. They do some checking. They walk out. They, they check soybeans. Make sure no bugs or disease on them. They check the corn. All those kind of things. And they watch things grow. And then fall time comes. And man, I tell you, I did it. I love to see those giant combines. My sons have all worked around those for all their adult life. They get those semis loaded up out there. Those combines, those John Deere's out there just churning all that stuff up. They got the big spouts come out the top of those augers. They fill those trailers up. And boy, I'll tell you what, those guys work day and night to get that harvest in so it doesn't go rotten in the field. And then they're all the time excited because they see the goal get to the place where they sell it at. And they sell that. Then they get the money in the account. And then in the wintertime, harvest is in, that's fall. They get in the wintertime. They got all their stuff parked in their barns and every place like that. And they just go out there and do a little bit of maintaining in the wintertime. They check things, oil changed, things need rebuilt. They call Dave. <laughs> He's the tractor rebuilder. They call people like Dave. They work on things, but they rest. They get to rest after the harvest is in. And so I think about this year that for us, things that we've done, that we're getting ready to come to that time of rest for several months now. And I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to coasting the rest of this year and saying goodbye 2021 and just not having lots of pressures and things to do. Just this season here, man, 
come, come and have some turkey, hang out with families, come to Christmas time, watch those smiling little faces and all these things going on, think, no pressure, just enjoying it. But then something happens because Jesus is the one that wired us to be how we are. Something happens, we start getting anxious, January and February. I don't mean like nervous anxious, but excited on the inside. It's a new year, and you start getting ideas for what you're going to do this year. You still things coming, you just can't wait for the weather to break a little bit. Come about, about, about March, April, all of a sudden, man, you're getting really excited, you got things planned, and you get out there and you hit it hard again for the new year. And man, then you start getting tired in the middle of the year and think, man, praise God, we're almost coming to fall time again. We're making it through summer. Here we come. Those seasons work like that. And then one day, you wake up and you're 70 years old. And you look at what you've learned. Thank glory to God. I'm going to enjoy every season I'm in because I'm following God's plan for my life. So I just want to tell you where you are. Recognize the seasons of your life. Recognize the seasons of your year. Because the spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. And God teaches in the book of Genesis chapter 6 that just as there's seasons in the, in the natural world, there's seasons in the spiritual world. And so don't kick against the pricks. That's what Jesus told Paul. Don't kick against the pricks. He said, go along with the flow. And so just enjoy life where you are. You do not have to burn the candle both ends 24-7 every day of the year. Give your body a chance to recover. And that's what happens to the fields for the farmers in the wintertime. They've got to recover. In the wintertime, God sends moisture and things more so out there than we get out here. But the wintertime, when the snows come, the rains come, and things like that, that ground has been replenished to recover. So they go to plant again in the springtime. The ground's not worn out. It can receive the seed. And so you're the same way. Enjoy your wintertime as you're young and whatever, and just know that there's going to be a springtime coming every year. You don't have to do everything, every season. Enjoy your seasons. Amen. Amen. Did that refresh anybody? Amen. That's the way it works. Well, I want to show you a couple books from the bookstore that are really important for what we're going to teach tonight. And this book here is called In Him. It's called In Him. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be talking about a lot of things I learned from this book, things I learned from Brother Hagen, and this will really help you to be a stronger, better Christian. You know, I uh, I don't like to lose, and when we learn who we are in Him, in Christ, and who He is in us, then it's a whole lot easier to win and not lose. And then talking about the seasons, this is called Faith Devotions, Faith Food for Autumn. We got these little books back there for every season of the year. They're little simple. Bite-sized nuggets of devotions you do every morning. I've been doing these for years and years and years. I've read the same things over and over again. But how does faith come? By hearing. And what's the next phrase say? And hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. I never get tired of reading the same lessons over and over and over and over again. And the reason being is Satan has... No new trials over and over and over again. They're the same ones. He brings the same things over and over and over and over again. So why not study the same lessons over and over and over and over again? So when he comes and tries his attacks, you're not caught off guard. You are saying, well, wait a minute. I just read that yesterday in my devotion. I know exactly what to do. Amen. And so anyway, I want you to open up to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11, 
verse 6. And for the, the, for the wary and the tired out there, just remember this. We're in the fall time now. We set our clocks back today. Winter time's coming. You're in that season of rest. So just don't be concerned about how it is right now. Just know rest time's coming. It's coming quick because that's the season we're in. And so the title again, I'm going to tell you, do you really know who and what you are? Do you really know who and what you are? I'm talking about the new you, the real person that God sees. You know, that's the main thing in our lives. We've got to learn to see through the eyes of God. And, you know, the way I always see that is like this. I've got things that uh, that I can see, but for close-up things, I see a lot, whole lot better through glasses. They change my vision, what I'm seeing. There's things in life that you see if naturalized. If you don't put on your word glasses, see it through the eyes of the word, you're not going to see clearly what God sees. When you begin to look at your life, your health, through the eyes of the word, your children, through the eyes of your word, I can guarantee to you, after breaking up eight of them, we know how to see kids through the eyes of the word. And we see children through the eyes of the word, you're going to recognize, you're going to recognize to a very great degree, your children are only doing what they see you doing. I learned that a long time ago. When I saw defects in my children, I knew were good characteristics. The Lord opened my eyes one day, just as plain as could be. I, well, that might be a little bit gross, not real gross. But how many know Joe? We were somewhere in public, and I was around a bunch of people that, you know, I didn't want to let my heathenism show. I wanted to really act, act uh, <laughs> you know, really really like a, a an elite person or something. You know, a person of... Uh, I don't know what the word is, stature. I didn't want to act stupid. And I'm standing there talking to people. I see Joe keeps going, Tch! he kept spitting. I thought, man, quit spitting, Joe. You're in the wrong place. Quit spitting. Well, within an hour, we was walking, and I went, Tch! I thought, he got that off me. I didn't realize I went around spitting all the time. And after that, I changed my spitting. I learned how to spit when people wasn't looking. <laughs> no. But what I'm saying, you hear phrases come out of your kids' mouths in public that embarrass you. Well, if your kids are hearing you use those phrases in your house, they don't know that that's just your private phrases. I'm not thought it's a good thing to do, but I'm saying kids imitate their parents. If you fly off the handle, then your kids are going to fly off the handle. Amen. And so, anyway, that's some of the things you begin to learn in life. And so we need to begin to see our children through the eyes of what God says. We need to start agreeing with what he says. And then at the same time, as parents, we need to start seeing ourselves through the eyes of the word, what parents' responsibilities we are. They are. And, you know, I just think about the modern times. There's so much that I despise about modern times because there's so many people that don't know God trying to tell Christians how to raise their kids on the Internet and every other way. Well, Jesus is the one that made us. He made our children. He knows what's best for them. As secular humanists that are anti-Christ have no business telling a Christian how to raise their kids. But more importantly, Christians have no business listening to them. Hey Amen. That, that amazes me when I get first start to teach us lesson. All that kind of stuff comes out. But you know, Jesus knows who's listening, what they need to hear. You need to know what to do. And that's what pastors are about, is to teach people how to live victorious lives and what to do. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, but without faith, 
Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So the Lord gave me that verse to start off with tonight. And I was thinking, man, we talk about faith a lot. But here's what he put in my heart. We teach about faith a lot here and things related to faith because God in the Bible has much to say about faith. You know, if you're going to teach the Bible, then God talks about faith from cover to cover. You know, it starts off the book of Genesis about, about, about Abraham and faith and the covenant, how Abraham believed God. That carries through all the way to the book of Revelation, where the book of Revelation is ended said, said that the unbelievers, the faithless, will not enter the kingdom of God. And so from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is a faith book. And so pastors that don't teach faith much are doing their congregations an injustice. Christians, if it says faith is the number one way you please God, the Christians need to know everything about faith they can. We need to know it inside out, right side in, upside down, left, right, right, left. We need to know the principles of faith and how faith works every which way there is. Because when we're people of faith, it says we always please God. And if we please God, that's where the blessing is. <clears throat> and so, as, as I look at faith, I was thinking about this. Too many times in these modern times, we go to the internet to get Bible definitions. Do you know that a lot of atheists give those definitions on the internet? A lot of non-God people give definitions. And so God the Bible may say one thing, and then somebody else may give you a secular definition from what they think, and then you try to interpret the Bible through a secular definition. Am I conveying that right so you understand what I'm saying? And so I've always done my best to let the Bible give definition of Bible terms. And so if Bible faith pleases God, and he says it does, then I want to know what Bible faith is. And this is real simple. Just back up to verse 1. Back up to verse 1. And I saw something today. I looked at the internet just a little bit to see if there's anything on the news I need to see. And I, and I saw that there's been a bunch of new words put in the dictionaries in the last couple of years that absolutely I refuse to be a part of my life. They're changing words, saying new things about words, but the Word of God is the same yesterday and forever, so what the Bible says is what counts to me. Amen? I am not going to change what's right in my talking and in my believing because the world changed what they believe. The world is going to hell without Christ. And the only way I can lead the people of the world to Christ is for me to stay hooked up with Christ. Talking like he talks, saying what he says, and living like he says to live. And so he says, faith pleases God. And verse 1 says this. First three words. Now faith is. He's getting ready to tell you what faith is. This is not Webster's or some Google goggle dictionary definition or something. This is what God says. He said, here's what faith is. King James says, it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Evidence of things not seen. I like that. I, I can go into that and break it down because it kind of sounds, sounds kind of Greek because it is. But I, in my Bible, I always write out two definitions from two other translations. One of them is called the Moffat translation. Another one's the Amplified Bible. Now here's what Moffat says that is from Greek in words you can understand. He says, faith means, now get this, this helps me to understand the kind of faith that pleases God, the kind of faith God honors, the kind of faith God blesses. Faith means we are confident of what we hope for 
convinced of what we do not see. The kind of faith that pleases God is when you're confident and you're convinced. When those words jump off that page, that by his stripes I am healed, you're more confident and convinced in that than what you're seeing in your body. When you're confident and convinced that according to God's word you're healed, it's not long before your body shows up healing. Amen. When you're confident and convinced that because you're a tither consistently with God and that his blessings poured out upon you, not enough to receive it, and people seeing you calling you blessed, it's not going to be long till all of a sudden you're walking in the blessings. People see it and people said, well, I'll tell you what, that John and Tony, they're a blessed family. That's a blessed family. And I bet you people say that to them right now because they walk in that because they're confident and convinced that serving God is far better than serving the devil. You know, and I know by experience, and probably most of you do too, we served the devil at one time, now we serve God. And nobody called me blessed when I served Satan. Matter of fact, here's what I used to hear all the time. My dad, I still hear his words, he's in heaven now. Poor old Burn, poor old Burn, he has such bad luck. Oh, I hear my dad's voice now. Oh, poor old Burn, poor old Bernie, he has such bad luck. But there come a point in time when my parents actually said, you know what, Bernie's family's blessed. You know why? I become confident and convinced from the word of God that the blessings were mine. And when I become confident and convinced, the blessings started showing up. Amen. And now another translation, Amplified, says this. Now get this. It says, perceiving, faith is perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. And that's where the King James says, the evidence of things not seen. And you know, I heard Jesse plan to say years ago, and it sounds kind of corny, but it kind of goes along with what he says, the evidence of things not seen. They said, well, how do you know you got it? Because I can't see it. That's my evidence. I've got it in the word of God. I see it with the eyes of my faith. I don't see it by natural eyes. But what's your evidence? The Bible says it and I got it. That's my evidence. Well, how do you know? How do you know that that bill is paid? Well, I can't see it, but I see it. I'm confident and convinced. By the time the 30th of the month comes, my God supplies all of my need. I've got the money. I'm not living in sin. I'm not serving two masters. I'm submitted, committed to Jesus Christ, my Lord. I go where he says to go. I do what he says to do. I say what he, do, what he says to say. And Hebrews 11, 6 says he's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And that verse 6 there, Hebrews 11, 6, that diligent means busy, painstaking effort. That means you're a serious Christian. You lay your life down for the brethren. You do what God says for you to do. You obey what he says to do. That's called being a disciple. When you live that way, then you can be confident of what you hope for, convinced of what you do not see. And that's the kind of faith that God says right there pleases him. And so, since faith is so important to Jesus and to the Father, then we need to dissect this. We need to look up look up one side and down the other faith and learn how to become faith becomes second nature to us. And, you know, I, I think again about the mechanics. I think about David, the tractors and stuff. I can't think about Mike, Michael. Man, I'll tell you what, Michael is a carpenter like you've never seen. 
the way he does things. And all you different ones, your specialties in here. You know, I, I think about, you got, I think about Tawny and Norman, different ones work at the, uh, place to help kids and everything like that. These things that you've been trained to are second nature to you. You know, I, I, I sit down with people to do business dealings and man, they just go through these complicated papers like that. Don't even think about it because that's what they think about day and night and they're trained in it. And you can become that way in faith. Well, you're so trained in faith, it's second nature. You don't think about it. You just do what it does. And then people say, wow, that John has great faith. And John said, well, what are you talking about? I'm just following Jesus. And see, I want to tell you, when you're a faith person, you're not even conscious. That is faith. It's your life because you become interwoven in your spirit with the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and all you do is what you know to do. You don't even have to think about it. You, you unconsciously just do what the Bible says. When you see things happen unconsciously, you respond with what the Bible says to do. And you live that way, you're living a lifestyle of faith. The verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11 says you're pleasing God. And I'll tell you what, I love to live a life of pleasing Jesus every day. I like being blessed. I like being healed. I like knowing that if my family gets in trouble, we're coming out of it quick. Amen? So that's how this works. And so I, I do my best to let the Bible tell me what it's talking about. It says faith is we're confident and convinced. And so when you're going through a situation, if you're not confident and convinced yet, how's it going to turn out? Well, verse 1, Hebrews 11 says, it's the substance things hoped for. you got to have hope first. Hope is not faith. Hope tells you what you can have. Faith tells you you've got it. And so, first of all, when you're in situations in life, you got to go from fear and doubt and unbelief to get to the level of hope. And you get to hope that all of a sudden you're not afraid anymore, you're going to lose everything or whatever's going on, but you got hope that I can make this. And, you know, I uh, think about, about 65 years ago, I was in a class called Kindergarten. And I remember my teacher in kindergarten 65 years ago shows a little train. And a little train went up a hill and the, thing, the train was going, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Anybody ever have a little train story out here? I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Well, that's what hope is. Whatever's going on, whether it's a new job, whatever it is, you got to get the place where you say, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And then... You gotta get the place to where you're blowing your whistle. Woo! I know I can, I know I can, I know I can. And that's when you're in faith, cause then you're confident, you're convinced, and you like that train whistle. You know, sometimes in church, you'll see people get excited, and they'll start running around. Woo! Woo! I think, there goes the train, they got it. Amen. Anybody here ever seen that? Anybody ever been there? Amen. Well, that's how you know you're getting there. But I want to show you how this works. I want to show you how this works. Of course, go to Philemon. Philemon, that's the book right before Hebrews. It's only one chapter. But uh, just, just a uh, review for all the students of the Word. How does faith come? Hearing what? Okay, now let's fine-tune you and see how serious of a student you are. Where in the Bible does it say faith cometh by hearing? Hear by the Word of God. Jesse, you don't count. I already know you know. i got to get somebody that's... That's sitting, sitting on the fence. Who else can tell me where you find in the Bible, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God? Hylia? Brothers what? Okay, you flunked. 
Sorry. <laughs> you got it in your heart, though. You're in the right direction. Anybody else on this side? Where in the book of Romans does it say that, Katie? Romans ten seventeen. See, this is one of the steps in your direction to becoming a faith giant. You start knowing Bible verses where they are. You start learning these verses. And let me tell you why it's so important to learn these verses. We're influencers. And have you ever noticed a lot of times that you're around Christians from other churches where maybe they don't teach the Bible real strong, and you try to say that the Bible says? Well, I'll tell you what, you're sitting down with somebody else, and say, you know what, open up your Bible to Romans 10, 17. And when that fellow Christian opens up to Romans 10, 17, they see it, that means a whole lot more to them than when you tell them that's what it says. And so it's important to learn these Bible verses and locations for yourself but it's really important for your Christian ministry, too, to help other people to show them in their Bible. I know that uh, over the years, when I used to do a lot of street witnessing, door-to-door stuff, I used to, believe it or not, I was one of those door-to-door guys back in Indiana. But to Miss Pastor, I used to go door-to-door a lot. But what we learned is that we went to, say, for example, a Catholic house or a Baptist house, and sometimes Jehovah's Witness, different things like that, we would have people get out their Bibles because if I opened up my Bible, they thought I had a trick Bible. Because they never saw those words in the Bible before. But I'd say to the Baptist grandma, I'd say, hey, do you have, do you have, do you have your Bible here? So they'd, be got, they'd pull out their big uh, 1611 King James. And the 1611 King James, I'd open up to Romans 10, 17 in their Bible. Not mine, their Bible. They'd look at their Bible that their grandma had had, and they'd had passed out the generations. And I said, look at what it says right here. How does it say faith comes? Oh, I thought faith came by trials. That's what my pastor always said. It comes by hard times. Well, I, 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 th- I thought faith comes. I thought I prayed to get faith. I said, oh, what's God say? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. It's in my Baptist Bible. That's why it's so important for you to be able to know how to bring these verses up. Because people need to be able to trust you to help them. And when it's not just you saying your pastor said or not just you saying, well, the Bible says. I mean, you know, there's a lot of nutty preachers tell you the Bible says a lot of things it doesn't say. But when people see it in their own Bible, then it carries weight with them. Amen? That's really good. So, what's that test again? Let's see how quick they held on to it. Can somebody tell me where it is, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Where's it at? Romans 10, 17. Students, you get a gold star for today. All right, Philemon 6, it talked about our faith. And this, 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 this is elementary Christian, Christianity 101 here. And until you get this principle established, it's going to stunt your growth in Christ. It says, and, and you know, I really like the King James. Other translations change this around in different things. But I really love the King James because I believe it conveys what God wants to say to us. That the communication of thy faith... They become effectual or effective. He says, you want your faith to become effective. You want your faith to communicate, your faith to become effective. He says, how is that? By acknowledging. Acknowledging what? Every good thing which is in you. In Christ Jesus. Every good thing which is in you. In Christ Jesus. And you notice that word acknowledging. Right in the middle of, the, of that word, that big long word. See the word K-N-O-W? To know, you've got to know what's in you. 
If you don't, don't know what's in you, you can't acknowledge what's in you. And what does it mean to acknowledge something? That means you talk about it and you agree with it. You know, they take people in front of a judge and they'll ask them. They say, they'll read the charges, then they'll point to the defendant and say, do you understand the charges? Do you know the charges? Do you acknowledge that you know these things? And so they're not saying they're guilty. They're saying, I acknowledge that I understand what the charges are. And so on acknowledging what's in you in Christ Jesus, that means you know what the Bible says is in you. As it says for your faith become effective, you got to start communicating that. Communication of your faith to become effective by acknowledging, knowing, and talking about every good thing. And let me tell you what it doesn't say. Poor old burn. I'm just poor old burn. I'll never amount to anything. I can never be anything. You know, my family, we's on the other side of the tracks. You know how it is. Our family didn't have much education. Our family never had any money. Nobody in our family ever did anything. Man, we're just a bunch of losers. That's all we are. Well, you're not acknowledging every good thing who you really are now. All you're doing is beating yourself down. You're stilling your faith. You're throwing, you're throwing water on the fire that got lit when you come to a service like this. All you talk about what a loser you are. You know, I, I heard a guy years ago had been a Hell's Angel. Everybody ever hear the Hell's Angels out here in California? Well, even they had the reputation all the way in Indiana, except out there they were called the outlaws. But anyway, you know, they, they had this thing, born to lose. You ever hear that phrase, born to lose? One of them got born again out there, used to be a leader in the gang, started coming to church, and he changed his tattoo. His tattoo said, born again to win. He changed what he confessed. He said, I might have been born to lose, but now I've been born again to win. And we need to start confessing. We're born again to win. We're not who we used to be. And I want to show you what that means. So he says, by acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So I just want to look at a very few places in the Bible, just really to whet your appetite to see some of these things. And that book, that Brother Hague book, In Him, is an excellent book to buy. You'll be able to look at and see a lot of verses that show you in hymns. But I want to go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. We looked at this this morning, but I want to look at it from from a different angle today. The Holy Spirit inspired the men to write these words in the Bible. And the Holy Spirit knows where each and every one of us is in life. And we look at the same verse over and over and over and over again. And Jesus pulls so much out of one verse. That's amazing. Over the course of your Christian life, however long you live on earth, you can see verses you've seen for 50 years. And then you see things you never saw before. Because God is awesome. And he wants to change your life. So 2 Corinthians 5.17, talking about who we are. And I'm going to show you how I study the Bible, and I believe it will help you. Now look at this. Verse 17 says, therefore, if any man be, what's those next two words? In Christ. And that's what we're talking about, acknowledging who we are in Christ. Who Christ is in us. What we can do, because Christ is in us, and we're in Christ. What we can have. Because Christ is in us. Everything, everything that belongs to us, because we're in Christ, belongs to us, but you gotta acknowledge it. He said for this to become effective, you gotta acknowledge it. You know, if there's one, one message of the Bible 
that Christians have really got to get a hold of is your mouth, your mouth, your mouth, your mouth. You got to train yourself to talk right, and I'm not going into the great tape thing tonight, but uh, if you don't have some, get some if you need it. Amen. Somebody said, what's the great tape for? I better, I better. That's a joke that I use. But when I first got born again, because I wasn't raised in a Christian home, and I learned that my words had power, my words, death and life, so the power of my tongue, I have what I say. I joke and say, man, you ought to put great tape over your mouth to keep your mouth shut, because what, what you're saying, if you're not talking right, is not going to get you anything good. So you've got to learn the language of silence. Amen. So if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new, and all things are of God. That's what we mean, born again to win. When you're in Christ, you're a brand new person. And so in my Bible, with my red pen, I circled the in Christ. In the epistles, I circled the in Christ, the in hymns, through him, because of hymns. All kinds of things about our relationship with Christ, what it does for us to change our lives. And I've always been a three-by-five card person. I write things with three-by-five cards, and I carry them, and I stick them in my Bible. I used to, as a truck driver, carry them in my pocket all the time, and women carry them in their purse. And what I found out, uh, I've been in doctor's offices more the last couple of years for checkups and stuff like that to make sure everything's still working good. But uh, in a doctor's office, it's so depressing to read their magazines about all these things. And now they got the things on the wall there, keep on telling about all these diseases and things like that. I would much rather reach in my pocket, bought a little Brother Hagen book, or my three by five cards with my things about who I am in Christ and sit there and start reading those things. But now I've kind of caught up with some of you. I got a couple Bible apps on my phone now. And now I've learned I can sit in that office there and just as easy as I can look at some goofy news program, I can start reading the Bible right there on my phone. And that, that, that's going to help you so much for your faith to grow is to get a hold of those things. But in my Bible here, I circle the in Christ. And this is talking about me because I'm in Christ. And so we need to do that as you're going through the Word of God. But I want you to look at verse 21. And this here is the kind of thing that will help you. And I want to say something. You need to not only have confidence in Jesus and what he's doing, need to have confidence in yourself as a man or woman of God and not just in Jesus. If you've got worm mentality, and what's worm mentality? That's, that's somebody you think you're a worm. You just gra- gravel around on the ground. You just can't hold your head up high. can't look people in the eye because you've been branded a loser so long by maybe parents or other people, even your own self. You picked up on that familiar spirit and you see yourself as a loser, you come in here and get all fired up, man, say, glory to God, I'm a spiritual giant. And then you walk outside the doors there, forgive what you've heard, and don't look at it again, and don't talk about yourself, and it comes time for you to use some mountain-moving faith, and you think, well, my husband can do it, or my wife can do it, my wife's got great faith, but I'm really nobody, I can't do anything. You go to the same church, you hear the same words, the only thing is, you're looking at yourself on the outside. You're looking about who you are in Nick. Nick's like me. Nick on the outside's a loser. But on the inside, we're giants. Well, I'm talking about spiritual things. We're losers. On the outside, I mean, we can, we can do all kinds of things natural. Those natural things don't get cancer healed. Those cancer things don't get the Javai rebuked. Those cancer things don't change our children. I mean, those natural things will change our children. But when you see yourself in Christ, you recognize 
I'm just as spiritual as Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Myers, Billy Graham, Pastor Samples, whoever it is you respect in life as a spiritual person, you recognize they're who they are because they've got confidence who's in them. And when you get past looking at you, all the bad things you've ever done, all the dumb things you've ever done, etc. And he says, if I leave in six, by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you. It isn't said by every good thing you've ever done because you cross over the line to where you're going by what you've done and think, glory to God, God's going to answer me because I paid my tithes. He's going to answer what I want because I helped those people. Because of what I did, he's going to help me. Nope. He said, you're righteous like filthy rags. They stink. But now look at verse 21. Verse 21 is something, and I'll give you another translation of it in just a second. But it says, for he, talking about God, has made him Jesus to be sin for us. Jesus became sin for me. Jesus became sin for you. He knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. And I circled these last two words. This is another in Christ. Righteousness of God in him. In him. I circled in him. I'm not righteous because I'm good. I'm righteous because I'm in him. Amen. And you know, I, I think about this. People, people, because they don't understand the Bible, they think it's wrong to say, I'm righteous. Well, if you're a Christian, it's a sin not to call yourself righteous because Jesus said you're righteous. Amen. We're righteous in him. We're righteous in him. And, uh, you know, I'm not going down this road very far, but, but there's a difference between righteousness and holiness. How many are familiar with 1 Peter 2.24? It ends up saying, by Jesus' stripes you were healed. Well, also in 1 Peter 2.24, it says because we're dead to sin, it says we should live unto righteousness. It said we should live unto righteousness because we are. And the more we live up to what's in us is the more holy we're living. When we're living unto righteousness, then we're living holy. We've got righteous on the inside. And when righteous shows up on the outside, then it's called holiness. And so the more that we choose to live up to the in him that's in us, the more holy we're acting. And what's holiness? That's just doing what God says do for the word of God. You know, of course, if you're living, living a righteous life, then you're not cussing anymore. You're not blowing off the handle anymore all the time. You're not walking in unforgiveness. And et cetera, et cetera. Lots of different things. But the more you're doing that, then you're becoming Christ-like. And Christ-like means living holy. And it all starts on the inside when you recognize, in Him, I'm righteous. In Him, I'm a new creature. In Him. And I want to keep on going back to our theme verse, Philemon 6. Your faith becomes more effective by acknowledging every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. The next time the devil tries to make you go back to those loser days in your thinking, think, well, you did this and you did that, etc., etc., the blood of Jesus washed my sins away. I'm a new creature in Christ. You know, I may, I may not look any different on the outside to you, but on the inside, God sees new creature. God sees righteous. God sees a woman of God. God sees a man of God. And if you put on your word eyeglasses, start looking yourself through the word, you look at yourself, the word of God, I'm born again. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm the righteous of God in Christ. 
I can do all things. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. Circle that. There's a through Christ. You see, you've got to see it through the eyes of the Word. And as you begin to grow in your faith, you'll start seeing things like that. When you hear a lesson like this, then all of a sudden, when you read your Bible again, you start studying things going to jump, jump off to you. In Christ. In Jesus. Jesus in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Greater sea that's in me. Greater sea that's in me. Greater sea that's in me than he that's in the world. And when you put those eyeglasses on, and you come into situations in life, and you're looking through those eyeglasses of the Word of God, you got eyes glasses on, seeing what God sees, you go into a situation, and all you're thinking is, greatest hits in me that hits in the world. The world's got to say it. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Devil, you're going down because the greatest hits in me, and you're no match for the in me. But if I come to you with my flesh because of how smart I am, how educated I am, how much money I got, guess what? You're going down. When you come at him, but in him, in the name of Jesus, he's going down. Every time, guaranteed. Amen. And, uh, and, and do try this at home. This is not done by professionals. This is done by born-again Christians know who they are. So you can do this with at home. Amen. Amen, amen. So verse 21 of the Living Bible says this. I love this. I love verse 21 in the Living Bible. It says this. For God took the sinless Christ... And poured into him our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. Oh, praise God for that great exchange. There's a great exchange took place. On January the 30th, 1980, in downtown Indianapolis, I was making delivery to a place. And just, I realized... I've been going to church seeking God. I realized all of a sudden that Jesus was real. And right inside, right inside of that place, all of a sudden I raised up my hands. And I said, Jesus, I know you're real now. Come into my life. I said, a place with people. But all of a sudden become real to me. I said, Jesus, I know you're real. Come into my life. I'll do whatever you want me to do with my life. Whatever you want me to be, I'll be Jesus. I need you. Come in my life. And you know what happened right then? God took all my sins. And I just said like Jesus. Poured everything, my ugliness on the inside, my dead man on the inside. Poured it into Christ. Then all of a sudden it says, then it exchanged all of him come into me. I tell you what, from that day, from that day, this life has never been the change. You know why? Because that day... If it may be a crisis, new creature, there was a baby of God born right there in that office called the new birth. I was born again. And when I become born again, I tell you what, I started studying my Bible the best I could. I listened to Christian radio when I was driving my truck down the road because I found out about Christian radio. I never knew it existed because I wasn't a Christian before. All I knew was hillbilly music, man. I could just, I tell you, I could, I could drink beer with Hank Williams' ghost. How lonesome I could cry. And just all those hillbilly blues singing dead songs. I could sing those. But all of a sudden, I turned that radio on that truck as a Christian. And I heard faith seminar of the air. And I started hearing faith preaching. And I went to a Pentecostal church. I started praying. I said, Lord, is there anybody, is there anybody that's a pastor that teaches like this man? And it wasn't long the Lord showed me a church where they had a faith pastor. And that's what we are here as faith people. I got into that church, and boy, I tell you what, my pastor 
had two classes on Sunday morning, had a service at a class. I was there bright and early. He had his Wednesday night lesson teaching what we're doing now. He had Saturday morning's men meeting. Every Saturday morning had his men's meeting. No donuts, no coffee, no frills. He just sit down in a chair. We had a little storefront building he was renting. We'd come in there with these chairs, and the men would come in there. We'd sit there at his feet, like at the feet of Jesus. He'd pull out his Bible every Saturday morning from about 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, 9.30. I want to say again, we had no donuts or coffee. I did not get enticed in there for that. I was a new creature in Christ. I had two daughters already, and I didn't know how to be a parent. I didn't know how to do things right because my parents weren't Christians. I came in there every Saturday morning, and I could not wait till Sunday morning to get this routine going again. All I did was just made the cycle, sitting at his feet, sitting at his feet, reading those things, hearing those things, and that's what helped me to grow. And I'm telling you, the things that I'm teaching you, I've learned off of people like that. I want to keep on saying, Philemon uh, 6, to you, get this, that the communication of your faith becomes effective is by you. You, point at you, point at you, point at you. Say me. Acknowledging, talking about every good thing that Jesus is and is doing in me. And I say this to you, say, you, quit bad-mouthing yourself. You're not a loser. You're born again to win. The same Holy Spirit that Jesus had, you have. The same Holy Spirit that worked through Paul and the apostles Works through me. Amen. You start saying those things, I'll tell you what, you are not going to be afraid to pray. You're going to be out in public, and you're going to be with some other Christians. They're going to look up at you, and they're going to say, Tawny, you want to pray over the food? And I don't know if Tawny pays over food in public or not, but Tawny's going to be so bold in that restaurant when they say, Tawny, it's your turn to pray. She's not going to think about it. Woof! going to come booming out. It's going to say, glory to God. Woo! I can do it. Amen. By the knowledge of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And I want you to look at Romans 5.5. 5. How many are so glad to know that Jesus took off your ugly and gave you all of his good? Man. And you know, the purpose of looking at these verses is that you've got to have confidence that God will use you. It's good to hear these verses, know these verses, but we don't go home with you. You go home with you. We don't go to work with you. You go to work with you. We don't get out in those troubled situations in life. You get out there. And so we can't pray for you out there, but you can take authority over things out there if you got confidence in who's in you. Amen. You know what? Philippians 4, 3 isn't just a Sunday school verse. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And I don't know about you personally, but for driving 18 wheelers for 28 years, I have to watch out to get on the road out there in my car. Because I get out there, I get frustrated. All of a sudden, I tell Mrs. Pastor, I said, man, I got to shift in a truck driver mode because we got to get there. I said, man, I could, I could do some stuff. I don't drive wild and reckless, but I get into that mode. I know how to drive aggressive without being reckless. But sometimes it gets kind of frustrating. And so I have to say, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'm backing off. Amen. And you've got to recognize that you need to tap into that inner power that's in you. That's not some inner power like these different people do in these self-help groups. The inner power is the Holy Ghost. But you've got to tap into that and have confidence that you can do that. 
And so Romans 5, 5 says this. I want you to look at the last part of the verse. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The love of God. That is acknowledgement of a good thing that's in you. The love of God is in you. And I want to say this. We've learned this by experience so many times. Do you know that faith is in your heart, not your head? Your head needs renewed. Your mind needs renewed. The same way the love of God works is how faith works. Love is in your heart, not your head. You cannot forgive people that wronged you with your head. You can't have faith to move mountains with your head. You reach into the inside of your spirit where the Holy Ghost is and you pull faith out for healing, finances, moving mountains and situations. It's the same way for love. I remember the one case there that uh, I always think about was going door to door in Noblesville, Indiana. We had a ministry called Labors of the Harvest Ministry. Remember, I remember our theme verse was Colossians 1.28, Living Bible. And what we operated by was that verse says, so everywhere we go, we talk about Christ to all who will listen. Knocked on a lady's door, and uh, we were going to minister to her as she needed healing for, I, I can't remember what it was. Was, was she a blind lady? Or was that, we had a lot of blind ones in that season. But anyway, the lady, uh, Mrs. Pastor, went to pray for her, and, the, and Mrs. Pastor said, you've got unforgiveness that's against somebody that's blocking your faith. God wants to move your life, but he can't because you got unforgiveness. The woman started crying as she said, my daughter-in-law murdered my son. That's kind of hard to forgive from your head. What did Jesus do on the cross when there was murdering him? Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Jesus lived in an earth suit, a physical body, just like us. He was pierced, he was beaten, he was crushed. At his head, could not tell, out of his head, he couldn't say that. From his heart, he said, forgive him. So Mrs. Pastor told this lady, she said, I know you can't forgive him from your head, but in your heart where Jesus lives, look down there. Can Jesus forgive this lady that killed your son? See how Jesus can. Mrs. Pastor said, well, Jesus lives in your heart. His love's down there. Close your eyes and listen to your heart. And then with me, pray this prayer, if you can pray this and mean it. And so she held her hands with him and prayed. Father, I forgive my daughter-in-law for what she did. And I'll tell you what, that's just a tearjerker. I just, man, I just feel the Spirit of God on that even now for something that's serious. But we know the things we know about life and eternity and everything else like that. We gotta to begin to live in our heart and not our head. You know, there's people that have wronged a lot of you in life at different times like that. You're holding on to things with your head. But this says the love of God's in your heart. And so why did I say this? You've got to start saying out loud, acknowledging. I've got the love of God in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I have the Holy Ghost in my heart. I've got the love of God in my heart. It's not my head, it's in my heart. Matter of fact, years ago, I wrote on a three-by-five card those very words. I wrote that down, and I read that every day until it become real to me. I love from my heart, not my head. That changes your life forever. What are you doing? You're acknowledging every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. One more verse I want to give you before we get out of here. I want you to look at Galatians 2.20. And this is something you need to acknowledge continue to become real to you. 
Galatians 2.20, we're talking about your faith being effective. How many want your faith to move mountains when you need healing in your family? When you have financial things? As you know, the times we live in, our, our nation is in a civil war right now. There's families against families, just like back in the 1800 Civil War, over politics, vaccinations, and social distances, and all kinds of other things. Man, there's families that are mad at each other about politics. And so, for us to have mountain-moving faith for our families to come together again, our faith's got to be effective. That's what I'm saying. And for your faith to become effective, you've got to know what's in you, who's in you, and who you are in Him and you've got to know it till you know it till you know it to where you walk in it, and you're not moved by what you see or what you feel. Amen? Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I am, or I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. That's what a new Christian is. A Christian recognized that in Christ he died. And when Christ was risen, we were risen in Christ. He says, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I circled that. Christ liveth in me. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. I say that all the time. Christ lives in me. And the, which, and the life which I now live, and I really circled this, this is one of my favorite things. I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by the faith of the Son of God. You need to begin saying that and saying that and saying that. And you know, so many times... Christians look at their faith and think, I don't have much faith. I'm a very weak faith person. I'm not a faith person like other people are faith people. But Paul said, I live by the faith of Jesus. I let his faith in me do things. And so for me, for healing things, for financial things, for strife things, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And I'm acknowledging every good thing's in me. What do I have in me? I have the faith of the Son of God in me. What's that again? I have the faith of the Son of God in me. And so I'm saying all these things to you so your faith will become effective and do what God says it'll do. If you will start doing these things I'm talking about, find that book, In Him. As you start reading through the epistles, Every time you see in him, through him, with him, by him, for him, all those kind of expressions have to do with your connection with Jesus Christ. You start confessing those and believing those things. All of a sudden, people are going to start watching your life and say, wow, man, I know that Dave McNeil was always a Christian. Man, it seems like he's grown again this year, man. I'm standing Dave up against the wall, and he was this tall last year. But Dave grew six inches this year because he got a hold of some more things he hadn't really got a hold of before. And all of a sudden, he grew. And when he grew... He didn't recognize it. Nobody measured himself on the wall. I said, well, I did grow since last year. Because it's victory after victory after victory. I can go on and on and on, but I won't because we need to get out of here soon. But anyway, for fellow believers, I'm telling you, these things that myself and tons and tons of Christians for years and years have got a hold of, and we do these things, they change our life, but most importantly, they change the life of people around us because we're really able to really help people. Amen? Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.